sing, sing, sing. Joy to the world. We will sing, sing, sing. Joy to the world. The Savior reigns. Let man. Jesus Christ is born. 
Jesus Christ is
Good morning, church family. Give, give that praise and worship team a round of applause. It is an absolute joy to be with you this morning. I want to give our Lord and Savior Jesus a really big, really excited round of applause today. Let's do that, church family. Merry Christmas. The King is here. I want to welcome you to WFR Church at White's Ferry Road. We make disciples that love God, love others, and share Jesus. And we are really, 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 really excited this time of year at our church because this is the time of year we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus the King. I want to teach you a little bit about that song we just sang, Oh Holy Night. And we find the story that teaches us about the birth of the Holy One, the Son of God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, Christ Jesus in Luke chapter 1. Open your Bible if you've got it handy. Follow along on the app or listen as I read Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. The Bible says this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town of Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words. And she wondered what kind of a greeting this might be. And can you blame her? And can I just chase a rabbit and say, Sometimes when the Lord gives us a word from his word, or from a friend, or in prayer, he guides and directs our hearts, sometimes that's troubling. But our God... Father of the universe, master of every molecule, known and unknown to man, is the redeemer of mankind and the solver of troubles and the bringer of peace. That's why we celebrate Christmas, and that's why we're excited about the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. The angel said to Mary, do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. You'll conceive and give birth to a son, and you'll call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And you are to call him Jesus. He will be great. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One will be born and called the Son of God. We sing, O Holy Night, to commemorate the night that the Holy One, the Son of God, was sent from heaven through time to the earth to live as a man. Let me read those words to you. O Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. What a beautiful song. And truly, ladies and gentlemen, the night of Jesus' birth was the holiest of holy nights. It's when God sent his son Conceived by a virgin to redeem the world. I'm reminded as we sing that song that our God can do the impossible. Through a virgin, God can bring a son. 
through a son, a sinful world can be redeemed and sorrow can be turned to joy. Light can pierce the darkness of night with God. All things are possible. The beautiful lyrics that memorialize the night of the Savior's birth and remind us with God all things are possible was written by, and I promise you I'm going to botch these names, so you just hang with me. Placide Capot in France. It happened at the end of 1843. Placide, surprisingly, happened to be a wine merchant who was not necessarily known for his church attendance. The composer of the music was a man named Adolphe Adams, and that he should write the music to O Holy Night is also a bit surprising as he was of Jewish ancestry. He wrote music to celebrate a holiday which he didn't observe and a Messiah that he didn't acknowledge as Lord and Savior. How like our God to use broken, messed up, unqualified, ordinary people for an extraordinary purpose. After the music was put together with the lyrics, the song was created. When the French church leaders of that time learned who wrote the words and composed the music, they thought it dishonored God because of the backgrounds of those individuals, and they prohibited the singing of O Holy Night in churches in France nationwide. But it was too late. The French people had caught on to the meaning of the song, and despite the urging of the leaders of the churches in France, continued to sing of the holiest night of all. No doubt, they were struck by the power and majesty of the gospel that described the arrival of Jesus Christ our Lord. Hang with me for just a second. I want to give you another cool fact about the song. Almost 65 years later, the song would be more deeply seared into history once again. True story, you can look it up, it's on Wikipedia so you know it's true. I've checked a few sources, no, I'm not doing all my research as your preacher on Wikipedia, you can calm down. On Christmas Eve 1906, a man named Reginald Fressenden, who was a 33-year-old university professor and former chief chemist, For a man you might know, Thomas Edison, did something long thought impossible. Using a new kind of generator, Fessenden spoke into a microphone, and for the first time in history, the voice of a man was transmitted over airwaves by radio. The first radio radio broadcast in history was a recitation of Luke chapter 2 on Christmas Eve. What a cool story. After finishing his recitation of the birth of Christ from Luke chapter 2, Fessenden picked up his violin and he began to play a song. Oh, holy night. The first song ever sent through the air via radio waves commemorated the most beautiful night in the history of mankind. When the carol ended, so did the broadcast but not before the music had found a new medium and the song had found its rightful place in musical history. Church family, ever since the night Jesus was born, the impossible is possible. Holiness is available 
to even the most unholy of sinners, and peace came into the world.
church family. Give it up for our children's ministry, for these kids. We are excited about our future at WFR Church. Y'all can be seated. Look, this is as good as it will ever look on stage at White's Ferry Road. So that better excites you. Better get fired up about that. We serve a good, good God. Uh, so often when I see kids this time of year, I actually got choked up a couple of weeks ago 
thinking about how precious and how innocent children really are. And God sent His Son, His firstborn Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, as the greatest gift ever given. Now think about that for a second. God sent His precious, His innocent, His firstborn Son into the world as a gift, as a free gift for the entire world. It's free to any and every person all across the globe, every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every man, woman, and child. God sent this priceless gift, the best He had to give to us when we were at our worst. God gave His best to us when we were at our worst. God gave us a priceless jewel. We who are a bunch of thieves and liars and robbers. Think about that, church. I'm reminded of the words of John the Revelator, John chapter 3. You know this. God loved the world so much. This is the greatest love story ever told. God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever would believe in him should not perish, but have life and have it forever. For God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world. And so often in our, in our thinking when we're struggling and when we're battling through sin or some kind of illness or some personal struggle, some moral failure, we can look at God and we can think, well, Jesus came to condemn the world. The Bible's written to tell me how bad I am. This is just another way I don't measure up, another way I'm not going to succeed. And the message of the gospel says, no, that is a lie. Jesus didn't come to the world to condemn the world. And while certainly the Bible shows us our brokenness and our sinfulness, the Bible tells you and I a story of God's love being so great that he sent his son so that the world through him wouldn't be condemned but that it could be saved. When I'm, when I'm thinking of the gift God gave us in Jesus, I constantly think and feel the pressure to give back to God. Everything I've got in life is His. Everything of monetary value He's given to me. Those of you who know my story know I shouldn't have anything in life. But more than that, God's given me a, a new start, a fresh start, a clean slate, an opportunity to have purpose in life and to make a difference. That's a spiritual blessing that no storehouse could contain. I'm going to ask our ushers to come forward at this time. And we're going to receive our morning's offering. And this is a time where we get to do battle with our flesh. It's, it's our nature to want to hold on to the material and be possessive about the physical world and, and view the pie as limited. And I hope, and I said this last week, y'all get to eat a bunch of pie and apple fritters, and every other good thing that comes along with Christmas. But I hope you can remember the gift that God gave us through Jesus Christ the Son, and that you can always be joyful and cheerful in giving back to Him what He so bountifully has given to you. Let's pray. Precious Heavenly Father, we come forward just awestruck at the beauty of the gift you've given us through Jesus Christ, our Lord, your Son, the Savior of the world, to have all these kids on stage and to see their innocence and their vulnerability and to think you gave your best, your firstborn, a spotless lamb to us when we were at our worst. You sent a priceless jewel and placed it in the hands of thieves and robbers. 
God, and you didn't stop there. You bless us with purpose in this life. You bless us with peace. And in the next, you'll bless us with eternity in heaven with you. Let's never get familiar with that message. And by your power and strength, we won't, Lord. And let us always have a cheerful heart as we give back to you what you've so bountifully given to us so that we can locally as a church spread the good news of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. While those plates are being passed, I want to draw your attention to Luke chapter 2. But I want to pick up the story where our kiddos left off. I'm going to read starting in verse 22 while offering plates are being passed. You just tune in with me while I'm reading here. The Bible says when the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. The Holy Spirit was on him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When his parents brought the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took the child into his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord. Listen to this. As you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you've prepared in the sight of all nations, a light to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And we have in my family an 11-year-old, a 9-year-old, and a 7-year-old. And right after Halloween, yes, we are that crazy family who starts Christmas celebrations the day after Halloween. Some of you got some spiritual growth to do because you wait all the way until the day after Thanksgiving. I think that's almost unbiblical, right? But the day after Halloween in my family, my kids start anxiously waiting for Christmas. And we we love everything about it. I proposed to my wife December 17th. God transformed my life. December 2nd, it's a time where we're around families and celebrating and loving on each other. And you know me, I like to eat, and I'm eating every single thing in sight, and then some things that I eat in secret that no one else could see. But church family, we're all waiting on something. I think of how my kids anticipate and wait on Christmas, the day after Halloween. But so many of us waiting for something is a universal need. What is it in life that you're waiting for? What are you hoping comes to pass? What are you praying about? I'll tell you what Simeon was praying about. I'll tell you what he was waiting for. He was waiting for what so many of us are waiting for. He was waiting for the comfort of the Lord. What's your struggle? Is it loneliness? Is it despair? Is it inadequacy? Is it Hurt, deep hurt from loss, grief from failure from a relationship that didn't meet your expectations. I love this story because the Spirit moved on Simeon. 
He encounters the Lord's Messiah after he is obedient to the move of the Spirit and the Messiah in Simeon's hands prompted within him the realization that peace has come to the world, that comfort is available to all, that healing and help and victory could be had by every man, woman, and child. Simeon's story provides a really nice example of a fairly common way that people experience the comfort of the Lord. And it's not in the number of gifts you receive. It's not in how many people you connect with over the holidays or how beautifully your house might be decorated. Let me share with you a couple of thoughts on how to really seize the comfort provided you by God the Father through Christ the Son over the Christmas season. First, what we see in Simeon is that he follows the leading of the Spirit of God. When prompted by the Spirit, go where you're being prompted. Go where the Spirit leads. Talk with who the Spirit directs you to talk with. Pray when the Spirit prompts you to pray. Rejoice in song when the Spirit prompts you to rejoice. Follow the leading of the Spirit and you will never be led the wrong way. The second thing Simeon does, and I'm not going to apologize for this, is that he visits the house of the Lord. It's not a coincidence Simeon encounters the Lord's Messiah at the temple, and it's no coincidence that you and I encounter God when we are at church. Absolutely, and I know what some of you are thinking, we serve a God who is much bigger than any church, and I am so thankful for that. God can be found anywhere two or more are gathered in His name And truth be told, the church is not the walls or the building or the address of White's Ferry Road. It is every person sitting in this auditorium under the sound of my voice that has been regenerated by the same spirit that resurrected Christ from the dead. But let me tell you something, church family. When I see you and I know your story and I understand what God is doing in your life It gives me hope. It gives me strength. It gives me the encouragement to keep on going, to keep standing, to have a never-quit attitude and continue to climb the mountains that are before me. You are the church to me. Absolutely. So I don't want you to forsake the assembly because I need you. And what you'll find as life moves on is that you need one another and we need to see the Spirit of God alive in each of us and be encouraged by that Spirit. Don't forsake the assembly. Get to church. And the third thing that we see in the story of Simeon is he stayed faithful. He was an old man at the time he laid eyes on the promised Messiah. And unlike most of us, Simeon was described as a righteous and devout individual. And in our walk, the more we try to diligently surrender to God and the more righteousness that God pours out into our lives and the more strength he provides to us to read his word and to share his story and to praise his holy name and to pray to him in the name of the Son We so often expect God to work in our situation, for God's promises to come true, 
for our comfort to be realized. But for Simeon, it didn't work like that. Day after week, after month, after year, he was patient and he kept working. First, you've got to follow the leadership of the Spirit if you want to encounter the comfort and consolation of the Lord. Second, gather with God's people. Go to church and be encouraged. And third, stay faithful. Church family, God's promises are true. They establish truth. They're the definition of truth. They're the measuring stick by which every promise and every truthful statement throughout time will be measured. God can be trusted. Some of you need to hear that this morning. God's word will not return void. Everything God promised will come to pass. So you can stand on those promises. Praise the Lord. You can rest in the assurance that his word is true. I'm begging you, church family, stay faithful. And one day, your faith will become sight. are more perfect than I could have ever imagined. I can hardly believe that we are right here, right now, when I'm holding you. It feels as though this journey has taken forever and only just begun, all at the same time. I was so afraid when the angel first told me about you. Finding out I was pregnant was... Shocking to me, to your father, to everyone who even remotely knew of your beginnings. People who didn't understand thought I was involved in some kind of scandal. And there were moments where I feared for my future. For yours. But all of that's behind us now. You are so special, child, in ways I don't even understand, but perhaps you already know that, too. There's so much I am unsure of. I am young, and I know little of caring for a child, and this child. There are moments I don't know how I'm supposed to go on, promised Messiah that all of Israel has prayed for is here today, and I am his mother. That information is too much for me to bear. Precious Jesus, I wonder every day how I am supposed to be your mother This I wonder, but I will never regret. His ways are above my ways, and his thoughts beyond my comprehension. I do not know what the future holds. But what I do know is I will do my very best to be your mother.
I promise you. I wish you could know the story of that precious little baby up here. But to keep my composure, I'm going to jump into what I'm supposed to say next. On Christmas, church family, we remember that Christ Jesus came into the world. But let's not stop the story there because that's not where it ends. Let's not only remember that he came into the world, let's also remember what he came to the world to accomplish. I love the words of the Apostle Paul writing to a young man he's preparing for ministry. And in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, he says, Here's a trustworthy saying, worthy of full acceptance. Listen to this, church. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Christ Jesus didn't come into the world to be a conquering king. Christ Jesus didn't come into the world to be served by every person across the globe. Christ Jesus didn't come to be glorified himself. He came to lay his life down so that you could be reborn and glorify God the Father. Jesus came to grant true freedom to those in captivity. He came to seek and save all who have wandered off and are alone. He came to bring them home again. Some of you have loved ones that you feel have gone away from the Lord or maybe have never surrendered to God through Christ the Son. I want you to understand that God is actively working on their hearts, actively pursuing their transformation, and openly extending His arms to each of them. It's important when we think about Christmas, we don't just think about the coming of a precious baby. We think about the victory of Jesus Christ our Lord through the agony and the glory of the cross. I want to draw your attention to Romans chapter 5, verses 18 through 21. God's word says this, Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. And that includes you. For just as through the disobedience of one man, many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, many will be made righteous. The law was brought so that the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as in sin death reigned, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. What the Bible's talking about there, church family, is that Adam, the first man ever created, committed sin. And through that sin, condemnation and the curse of sin entered into the world. But through the righteous act of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross... Justification, salvation, rebirth is available to all. The curse of sin literally can be broken. You can have a fresh start. Old can become new. Lost can become found. Prisoners can be set free. 
Through the obedience of Jesus, many will be made righteous. And while the cross grants us victory, it grants you and I victory. Because the Lord Jesus Christ provided a payment for our sinfulness. And for that price to be paid, Jesus had to live a perfectly obedient life in alignment with the will of God the Father. It wouldn't have made any difference for Jesus to have been crucified had he sinned. But it was the most unjust conviction in history to crucify the perfect, spotless Lamb of the Lord. And that's how he became the only being that could take away the sin of mankind. The Bible is very clear that Jesus was tempted in all ways like you and I are, and yet he was without sin. And so we can rejoice that the one and only Son of God is the sacrifice for the sins of all mankind. Each Sunday at WFR, we celebrate the obedience of Jesus and his sacrifice by sitting at his table. And no, we don't have a big gigantic table that we're going to roll out and all sit around, but I imagine in heaven we'll get to participate in a feast around the Lord's table like that. Instead, you're going to stay where you're seated and we're going to pass communion trays around and we're going to take the bread and the juice which are symbols of the body Jesus surrendered in obedience so that you could be forgiven of your sin. And we're going to allow the Spirit to strengthen our hearts as our bodies experience nourishment from the fellowship we get by sitting with the Lord at His table. Jesus gave His all so that you and I could have everything He's planned for us. Here's the way this is going to work. I'm going to pray over our communion. And I've got two individuals who are going to come up on stage and do a reading. And I want you to listen to these words. It is so dangerous to get so familiar with the things of God, so saturated with them, that they become common and lose their majesty and power. As those words are read, my prayer is that you get a fresh experience of the gift God gave you through sending Christ, the Son of the earth, and the beauty that Jesus' sacrifice is in, in how it communicates God's love and Jesus' love for each of you. I'm going to pray over communion. I'm going to invite two people up. And then while we sing a verse of a song, we're going to pass the communion trays. And I pray for a fresh anointing over each of your lives this morning as you sit at the Lord's table. Let's bow. Precious Heavenly Father, we come before you without words to say how thankful we are to be honored with the opportunity to sit at your table, invited in by Jesus Christ our Lord to be sustained and nourished by him. God, it's this time of year that we celebrate more than any other the gift you gave us through Jesus Christ the Son. But let us re-experience this gift brand new. Fill us with a fresh anointing and a new sense of gratitude at the gift you've given us through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's in his name we pray. Amen.
In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be counted and taxed. And all went back to their own towns to be registered. He came to his own town. And his own people did not accept him. Joseph also went up from Galilee. When Pilate heard this, he asked whether the man was a Galilean. From the town of Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? To Judea, the city of David called Bethlehem. Wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born, king of the Jews? If you are the king of Jews, then save yourself. For we observed a star at its rising, and have come to pay him homage. But all his acquaintances stood at a distance watching these things. In that country, there were shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them. It was now about noon. And darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And they were terrified. But then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. For he will be handed over to the Gentiles. For unto you is born this day. And he will be mocked. In the city of David. And insulted. A Savior. And spat upon. Who is Christ the Lord. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. The time came for Mary to deliver the child. And having said this, he breathed his last. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. So Joseph took the body. And wrapped him in bands of cloth. And wrapped it in a clean linen cloth. And laid him in a manger. And laid it in his own new tomb. Because there was no more room for them in the inn. Where no one had ever been laid. On entering the house. But on the first day of the week at early dawn. They saw the child with Mary, his mother. They came to the tomb. And offered him gifts. And taking the spices that they had prepared. Of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host. Praising God and saying. They asked, why do you search for the living among the dead? Glory to God in the highest. He is not here. He is risen. And on earth, peace and goodwill toward men.
seated for just a moment. You know, a conclusion uh, of a service like this, I just can't help but think that Jesus is the master of joyfully carrying a heavy burden. When he came to this earth, he knew what his mission would be, and it'd be to carry your cross and mine. And there were certain seasons in his journey that gave us a sense of how heavy having the cross in his future was in his life. And Jesus didn't look at the cross and feel dread or defeat or uncertainty. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2 says, When Jesus saw the cross, he saw it with joy. Jesus saw the cross with joy for two reasons. I want to give you these and then I'm going to close. The first, Jesus could look at the cross with joy because of the love he had for God the Father. In the scriptures, Jesus teaches us that he and the Father were one. That his will was to do the will of the Father. That his greatest desire was to bring glory and honor to God the Father. And the cross was Jesus' opportunity To be one with the Father, to live the Father's will perfectly, and to bring the greatest glory, honor, and praise to God that could be brought. And the second reason Jesus looked at the cross with joy was because of the love he had for each of you. He had you in mind when he saw the cross. And Jesus looked at the cross with love And you in mind, even when you were in your blackest, darkest days, he loved you. And after you've been born again, Jesus loves you you still. And if you're still in black, dark days in a tough season of life away from the Lord, he loves you anyway. Jesus has always loved you. He does love you. And he will always love you, church family. There's nothing that can change that. And if you haven't fully surrendered to Jesus Christ, the Lord, and made peace between yourself and God, let the gift of Jesus Christ transform your heart today. If you're carrying a heavy burden, Jesus is asking you to lay it at his feet so that he can shoulder it for you and exchange your burden with his, for his burden is easy and his yoke is light. After I pray, I'm going to ask you to stand and while we sing a verse of a song, come lay your burdens down or turn yourself in. Be reborn, let your past be erased, and let Christmas make a difference in your life today. Let's bow. God, I come before you again. We can never come before you too much. And I come in the name of Jesus Christ, my personal Lord and Savior. And God, if there are any here under the sound of my voice who have not been born again, God, I ask that as we conclude services today, that they would be under deep conviction and that they wouldn't resist and instead would lay their life down and acknowledge you as Lord and Savior and be baptized into Christ Jesus. God, if there's any here who are carrying a heavy burden this time of year, for so many brings joy, but for so many bring sadness and and difficulty. And I ask that they would just experience 
joy in you through the gift you've given them in Jesus Christ, their son. And I ask that they too would be under conviction to bring their burdens forward today and lay those at your feet and exchange their burdens with yours. I ask a special blessing over our church family. And I ask all these things in the precious name of our Lord and Savior Jesus. Amen. Please stand with me while together we sing. Oh, hail King Jesus. Oh.